0: Good good evening. Sorry, somebody asked me a question right before we went live, and it was a question that's important to me that I've actually thought about, and I will answer it right here. No, he isn't in the NFL. In the NBA, he would be, because they let literally anyone in. But he's got a great postseason resume, so I wouldn't hate it if he did. Uh, if you're wondering what that is, well, maybe uh, you can ask me and I'll tell you. Otherwise, we are here, and we have uh, people here live say something. Okay, good. I apparently uh, is saying something, but that's okay. We're good. Uh, It is wonderful to be back. We are in week three of this series. Um, If you're watching me at home, hi. Uh, But we are in this series, which is called The Return. Thank you. It's called The Return. And in this series, we've been talking not just about the return to a sense of normalcy, but the return of Jesus and and, uh, what he did in those few days those days that he was there with the disciples, when he first appeared to Mary Magdalene, uh, when he spoke to her, even though a lot of people were spreading false rumors about her. A lot of people were like, why would you appear to a girl? Like they don't have any credibility. Uh, And he did because he didn't care what other people said. He didn't care uh, what anybody thought. He's just like, I know her heart and she's a disciple too. And so he met with her. He showed her that he was back. And then he even sent her to tell the disciples. Uh, we talked about how he met with the disciples and how Thomas uh, just doubted. And it wasn't that he was like, I don't believe this is happening. I don't believe in anything Jesus has done. He still believed in him. But he was so probably in shock from losing him. Because when we talk about the crucifixion, when we talk about the disciples, when we talk about Jesus, uh, we forget that these men were very close with each other. Like Jesus was... Uh, they were like brothers, and so they loved each other. It wasn't just that they went around working with Jesus. It wasn't just that they were uh, co-workers. It was that they were family. And, and so we think about just that day of the crucifixion and his arrest and how hard it was. But more than that, like they felt like we would feel if they lost somebody. They lost a, a brother, a, a father figure, whoever it was in addition to their Savior, in addition to the person that they'd seen do all of these amazing things. And so Thomas didn't handle it well, but he was in shock. And, and Jesus said, hey, you know, for you that have faith, you're going to be blessed. Like, just trust in me. Believe in me. Uh, this week, we're going to talk a little further where Jesus comes and he meets with uh, the disciples again and where he really talks to Peter. And so I want to go to John 21, 4 through 23. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. But the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. And then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. So this shows a bunch of things. Number one, it shows that the disciples, uh, even in the days where he had returned and they weren't quite sure what was happening, they went back to their lives. Now, this doesn't mean that they were no longer preaching because they still met together, but it's, they didn't know what was happening, and people were... Uh, out to get them. People were out to take them out, um, so to speak. And, and so they were just doing their thing. They were working. They were doing whatever they could uh, to get through these days. Uh, I just said, like, if you've lost somebody, you kind of know what this feels like. And uh, I talked about losing my grandma and how I went back to work like that day. I went back to the church because that's just, I needed that. Uh, some people need more time. Uh, when I Whenever I lose someone else, I don't know if I'll handle it the same. And so they were just doing their jobs. They were fishing. They were doing what they could. The other thing it shows, and if you didn't hear me this morning preach in church, uh, I talked about going to where people are and not just bringing them, being like, hey, if you don't come to church to me, then I'm never going to care about you again, but actually going to where they are and treating them like people, seeing them as people, not as numbers, not as potential Christians, but as people. Uh, some of you guys, like in school and stuff, you've probably had people look at you like a number or look at you like just a student and not really care about what you say, not care uh, about what you do, about what you're interested in. And it probably sucks. Like, it probably feels like, like, it's like, well, you know, they just, I'm here and I'm an attendance figure and they don't really care. I never have an opinion. Nobody wants my opinion, whatever. Jesus isn't like that. And so he came to uh, the disciples. I forgot to tape this this week. He came to the disciples where they're doing. And he's like, hey, do your thing. Because it also shows us that he wants us to have these lives. Now, I've said often, Jesus is the center of your life. He should be the center because he's the only thing that doesn't change. Uh, he's the only thing that's impossible to lose because he is perfect and forever. And he loves you more than anyone else ever could. And so when he's at the center, you build everything else around. But just because he's at the center doesn't mean you don't have things around him. So the disciples still had interest. And he goes there and he tells them, You know, hey, get more fish because that's cool. It's cool that you fish. It's cool that you have a life, but just follow me. And so that's really cool. We're going on to the next part. Uh, Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic. uh, He had stripped for work, as you do, uh, jumped into the water and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish uh, cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net out to the shore. Uh, There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples since he'd been raised from the dead. So you may be like, well, why would they even possibly question who he is? Even when he appeared to them in that room, even when they saw that he was gone, even though they believed and they trusted and they had faith, this was a very difficult time for them. Uh, Think about something that you've gone through in your life where maybe you have a big test coming up or a lot of homework or a big paper. And then on top of that, you've got a big game or a big concert or something major that's life. And on top of that, you have... Work or family worries or something, where it's just all coming together. Like, just think about that time where everything is kind of at the exact same time, and you're like, "What do I do?" And so you're not necessarily going to approach every situation with a clear mind and everything. You're going to be like, "I'm just, I'm so stressed, but I really want to be with Jesus," or "I'm so stressed, but I, I I really want to hang out with my friend," or "I want really want to focus on this, and I just can't." And so the disciples. Even after seeing Jesus come back, they still have this feeling of shock, of loss. And it's weird. I don't know if you've ever lost someone or something and then found it. Sometimes uh, our brains are weird. And we can still feel that loss even after that loss has stopped because we still have to deal with that pain. And so the disciples were just regular guys, like they weren't uh, priests, they weren't Pharisees, they're just fishermen and workers and tax collectors, and they did their own thing. And then on top of that, even though we see him as purely a villain, Judas, uh, he was with them. And even though he wasn't like the most popular disciple and they'd seen him steal, they obviously knew that he betrayed Jesus, they lost him. And he killed himself, and they lost him in a horrible way. They weren't able to uh, ever make up with him, and maybe... I'm sure that they were angry when they found out what well, he did, obviously, because he betrayed Jesus, and it's above and beyond wrong. But some of them, as they were cooling down or as they were thinking about it, probably were like, I really want to give him a piece of my mind, but then after that, I want to find out why he did this and talk to him. Well, they've lost that. And so some of them, too, were probably like, well, we didn't get to punish him. He took that. And so, like, whatever they were feeling, all of this was at the same time. And on top of that, the Pharisees, the high priests, Romans they didn't want this to keep going. They were like Jesus is gone, this is ending. And so the disciples are like how are we going to do this? We might die. Now we want to die because we love Jesus and we've given our lives to him. But 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 this is hard. And so even though they kept going forward and even though they were true Christians and true preachers and true witnesses, they still felt all of that at once. And so going back to where I said like you know, think of a time you were super stressed now think of a time where you're super stressed, but then something good happens, and so you feel good, but you feel bad. Or something good happens for you, but something bad happens for your best friend or somebody in your family. And it's just so mixed and hard, and, and as people, we don't know how to react. And we look at things like this, like the disciples, and we kind of look at them like a story character, because we haven't met them. Except for me, I went to high school with Peter. But we... Uh, you guys are starting to accept whole name, I and that's sad. But um, we... We look at them as characters in a story, and we forget sometimes, because we hear these things so often, they're just people. It's like if this happened to us, like we lived our lives with Jesus, which hopefully do, but I'm talking literally like in person, uh, how we would react, because we're just people. We're students and teachers and, and parents and grandparents and, and husbands and wives and kids and whatever else. Like, we're these things. We're just normal people. And so it's hard, and it hurts, and so... I say all that before I get to a lot of the Peter stuff. When Peter saw him, the last time that he would truly interacted with him, because when Jesus came into that room, it seems like it was just kind of a quick, hey, have peace and go do this and trust me, I'm coming back to talk and it's going to be with you. So Peter didn't really have seemingly a chance to converse with him. But Jesus is waiting and they're going to have breakfast together. So he knows that they're about to talk. The last time that he was really in close proximity to Jesus, he lied and said, I don't know him, three times. And Jesus before that had said, you're going to do this. And Peter's like, no, Jesus, you're never wrong, but I'm ne- I'd never deny you. And so it's not just the fact that he denied him and lied about him. It's the fact that he was so confident that he wouldn't. Uh, there's a phrase, and you hear it sometimes in the news and in sports and in the media and all this stuff. It's loud wrong, being loud wrong, where you're confidently being wrong about something. And Peter was loud wrong on this. Like, he's like, I'm never going to do this. And then he did it. And then he did it again. And then he did it again. And, and, you know, then Jesus died. And so that had to just be almost crippling to him. So he feels that. And he's hurt. And he's sad. And then Jesus comes back. And in that room, it's so quick. At the tomb, it's so quick. Because he didn't actually see him at the tomb. He just saw that he was gone. And so he feels that hope. But then as it sinks in, he's like, what's he going to say to me? Have you ever uh, done something... Uh, where you know your parents are not going to be happy with it. And maybe they haven't called you out yet or said anything. And it's that time before they do that you're like waiting. Like, do they know? Did, did they know that I did this? Uh, what are they going to yell at me? Like, what's the punishment going to be? And it's almost worse to wait. And I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes that's the punishment for them. They're like, I'm going to make them, you know, really suffer here. Uh, sorry, parents. That's a trick. But <laughs> it's good. And, and so Peter is like, what's he going to say? Is he going to kick me out? Like, like, is he going to to chastise me in front of everybody? Is he going to punish me? Is he going to send me away? Like, am I going to have to really earn him back? And so he's thinking all of that as he looks and he sees Jesus. And so it says that, you know, he put his clothes back on because he's done working and he goes in. I would imagine that that's probably the slowest he's ever done anything, but he's still mixed with this. He loved him so much. And so he's got that mix of what's he going to say? Am I going to get in trouble with I can't wait to talk to him because I've waited for this moment. And so it's so hard, but he's just a person. So it's hard to handle. And so he goes and Jesus is like, Hey guys, what's up? You know, let's have breakfast. And in itself, that's like, you were just dead. Like now you want to have breakfast. And so it's just, Imagine this situation, because again, this is something that we've heard a lot, and we've talked about a lot, and in your lives, regardless of how much you've gone to church, we all know the crucifixion and the resurrection story, but this is actually happening. Uh, To bring this into our current lives, things are starting back again, and you know, we started to plan, some of you are getting ready for college, and some of you are getting ready for the summer, and some of you are getting ready for your senior year, going to high school, or whatever else, and all of these things are like, man... I'm still wearing a mask every day. Or like, yeah, people are getting vaccinated, but, but, but what's it going to be like when it's normal again? And so it's weird. And you know, there are a lot of people that are excited and like, I can't wait, this is going to be so cool. And some of the people that aren't excited or are excited are still like, but, but is it weird? Like, what, what's going to happen? Like, what's it going to be like to be around people in a crowd again? Like, what, what is this, what's going to happen? And so we feel all of that because just having a return, just going back to life as it is, we're more complex than that and so it's okay if you feel happy and sad or if you feel worried and excited uh we did recently the staff and well not just the staff like 40 people did like this uh lent devotional thing and each day was written by a different person and so it was for 40 days which is why it's called the 40-day devotional and uh, each day was written by a different person. And some people were like, oh, you know, this is what I felt then, this is how it went. Some people talked about other things. I encourage you to read it, even though we're past that, if you can find it, I think it's online. Um, mine was very much the mixed feeling of things going back. Because I am introverted and I'm awkward and I have anxious, anxious, I combined depression and anxiety because I have anxiety. And so all of these things. Uh, I see this as, yeah, it's going to be good when things are back. Like, I'm going to be glad when I can go to a game again or, or, you know, feel comfortable doing, like, the movies or something like we're going to do. Like, you know, when these things start to sit back, that's good. I love that we're having youth again or church again. Like, these things are good. But at the same time, I'm like, this last year, I feel really guilty because it was good for me. Because I was able to thanks to to God and to people's generosity, keep my job. Like, I didn't have to worry about where my next check was going to come from. I had a home, and so that's good. But on top of that, not only was I not required to, like, be in big groups and, and be outgoing and all of these things that are hard for me, it was like, don't do these things. So it's like a highlight for me in a way. Now, saying that, I also hate that people died, obviously, and I don't want people to have to feel, you know, loss and all of these different things that people felt and and the anxiety of not being able to be in public, the anxiety of not being able to hug people, the anxiety of all of these things. Like, I don't like that. And so I wrote this from a perspective of this was complex for me. Like, I actually felt guilty when I was happy, and sometimes we feel that. And I'm not saying that to, like, make myself a test case. You could publish a lot of papers on me, but... Uh, it's because the disciples are just like us. Like, they felt all of these mix of things and you, people will tell you, feel this way or act this way. You're going to feel a mix of things more often than you're not. Like, you're going to be confused sometimes and you're going to be worried and excited, like I say. Like, things are going to be difficult for you. That's why it's so important to have people around you to talk to, to share things with, to, to pray about and with. And so, That's where we are, like Peter is feeling all of these things, including this overwhelming love and hope as he sees Jesus. And so we go to, after breakfast, Jesus uh, asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Jesus said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Uh, I think that if you know that Peter, like I said, denied him three times, you can kind of get the, the beauty in Jesus asking him three times if he loved him. And so it's literally saying like, hey, this first time, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do. Well, good, you're, you're good for that first time, get it? And now Jesus forgave him anyway. But he's like, the second time, he's like, you know, Simon, do you love me? He's like, yes, of course. And he's like, see, now that's two. And then he's like, Simon, do you love me? And Peter's like, of course, come on. And he's like, well, that's three. And it probably took Peter a little time to put that together. And Jesus didn't have to do it that way. He simply could have said, Peter, no worries. You know, you're forgiven. But he knew that Peter needed to feel this action of saying, I love you publicly three times, even if it was just the disciples. And and that tells us how we should treat other people. It tells us how Jesus looks at us because we're going to mess up. And sometimes I think when we uh, see other people, we carry all of this stuff or when we go to prayer, we carry all of this stuff. And, And it's like, I'm just I'm not where I should be. What, what is God thinking? What is this person thinking? What should I do? But when you ask for forgiveness, he gives it to you. But more than that, he will give you the way to feel your way back like Peter did. Now, it says that Peter was kind of hurt by this. That's because he didn't get it right away. And he's like, he's probably thinking, like, we would think, like, is he questioning me? Does he not believe me? Like, why does he keep asking? And he's like, man, it just, he doesn't, it's, he asked me three times and I denied it. Oh. And so he got it. It clicked. But that was Jesus showing him that, hey, love's an action. Not just telling somebody that you love them, not just telling somebody that they matter, not just telling somebody that you care about them, but showing them that. Uh, One of the things I said today, too, uh, the golden rule, do to others what you'd like them, what you would want them to do to you. That existed before Jesus, but it was a negative thing. It was don't do to others what you wouldn't want them to do. So don't walk up to Nate and punch him in the face if you don't want him to punch you back. Or don't throw a paintball at Jenna if you would like her not to throw one back. That was a hard sentence. Uh, Jesus took that and made it positive. He's like, it's not about inaction. It's not about just sitting there and not hating. It's about loving. And so he's showing Peter that. He's like, it's about action. It's not just about saying, I forgive you. It's about showing That you're okay, showing that you can move forward, showing that you want forgiveness, showing who you are. Uh, Going to the next part. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let them know by what kind of death he would glorify, by what kind of death. talking to Peter, what time of death he would glorify God, then Jesus told him, follow me. So more to Peter. And he's basically saying, you know, you're going to die. And as you may know, all of the disciples except for John, they died in horrible ways. Like they were killed for their faith. Uh, And Jesus wasn't saying, hey, I'm really sorry. He's saying, you know, you're going to make a difference and people aren't going to accept it. Now for us, it's not necessarily going to be killed for our faith, but you're going to be mocked for it. Or uh, you're going to be told that you're doing it wrong, not just by non-Christians, but by Christians. You're going to be told, hey, be like me. And not in a positive way, but like in a, hey, you suck kind of way. And so Jesus said, hey, you're going to die, but then you're going to get more than you ever could imagine. Because people are going to see me through you and people are going to change. So follow me. And Peter's taking that and like, wow. And then he goes and he says, uh, Peter turned around and uh, saw behind him the disciple Jesus loved, which is John. uh, The one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? Jesus replied, Uh, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die. But this isn't what Jesus said at all. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? And as I said, John was the only one that didn't die in this martyr way. In fact, John lived to old age and was exiled to an island and wrote Revelation and uh, just outlived everyone that he knew. And so there are probably people that are like, well, John wasn't as good a follower of Jesus as other people were. Like, they were so strong that they were killed. And there were probably people that were like, man, John was so much smarter than them. Like, he still talked about Jesus, but he made it and lived and did more. Well, we can't rule ourselves by how other people do things. Uh, Comparison is a very difficult thing, and that's something that I struggle with. And I'm sure that people here, you struggle with this comparison. You struggle with. I don't look like this person. I don't sound like this person. I, I, I don't feel like this person, whatever it is, or they handle things better. They handle things differently. Uh, it's just, it's never a good idea because if you come out lower and you're like, they're better than me, then you feel bad and you feel awful and you start to resent that person. If you come out above, you start to feel cocky and egotistical and you're like, I'm better than them. And nobody wants to be LeBron. And so, except for money. But uh, so when Peter asked that, He's like, what's the plan? Like, are we all going to be the same? And she's like, no, everybody has a different path. So I don't know your lives. I don't know uh, what you do. I don't know how you relate to people. I don't know what your witness is. I don't know what your plans for life are. But I would wager that everyone here has a different life plan. Maybe some of you even want to go into the same kind of profession or the same kind of career or have a similar life. But everybody here has something different that you want to do. And That's good. Because if everybody does the exact same thing, most of the professions in the world would just go away, and nobody would have anybody to relate to because everybody's the same. If everybody talked the same, if everybody looked the same, if everybody acted the same, like, nothing works. Um, I've said this before, but, like, you know, there are pastors and 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 teachers and, and uh, people who just are so outgoing and can walk into a room and just talk to everybody there and really share everything about their life. And there are people who are just more quiet about it, and they, the, it's not that they do the faith any less, but it's just like that they react more, or they relate more one on one, or, or by, by praying for, or whatever. There's all kinds of different things, all kinds of different ways to be. The important thing is that your faith is centered on Jesus. But again, if everybody preached in the same way, if everybody witnessed in the same way, then those people that don't feel that way, those people that struggle, those people that have anxiety, depression, those people who are outgoing and, and just excited, Nobody's going to know who to go to because everybody's the same. And so Jesus here is not just saying, Peter, you know, you're going to do this and John's doing this. He's like, all of you have a different path because I have a plan for each of you. Uh, He says, if you ask me for forgiveness, you're forgiven. And so he immediately gives Peter a job and is like, hey, go do this. So maybe you're carrying around something, guilt or whatever. If you ask for forgiveness, you're forgiven. And once you're forgiven, live like that. I'm not saying carrying around a sign that, like you see memes where it's got like a dog that has like a sign that says, hey, I ate the couch or something, which honestly, those are usually fake, but still, Uh, because dogs very rarely unzip cushions, but still, Um, something like that where you see animals and pets like that's jokey and funny and blah, blah, blah. You don't have to run around saying this is what I was forgiven for and this is what my life was like before, but I'm saying live like you've been there. If you see somebody who isn't the same as you, don't be like, hey, be like me. It's like, hey, how can I talk to you? How can I care about you? How can I listen to you? How can I show that I'm forgiven? Not just tell. Again, I quote myself sometimes, and another thing I said today, most people aren't going to remember every word you say to them. But they'll remember how you treat them. And they'll remember how you live, how you act, who you are. So do that. And and Peter did what he probably saw as an unforgivable thing. And what did Jesus do? He came right back and he's like, hey, this is how you move on from that. And he moved on from that. And John, completely different, he's like, this is what your life's going to be. No matter what you feel about yourself, know that he sees you as perfect. He sees you with love. He sees you as hope. And so, you know, go forward... Like he says, follow me, go follow him and and treat people like you'd want to be treated. Uh, Love people like you'd want to be loved. Show people respect, show people honor, live like you're forgiven, like, you know, because you are just do your best to remember that even when things return, even when things go back, you're still loved, you're still okay. And if you have different emotions, you have trouble, whatever. You're valid, you're valuable, you are enough, you are worth it. And so live like that. That's all I got.